For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand, today, if you will hear his voice. The, the understanding, it's, it's written a little bit differently. I probably would not have used some of the punctuation and broke up the sentence that way. But what it means, you kind of have to, it's cause and effect. If today you will hear his voice, then he'll be your God, you're his people, and, and the sheep of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Hallelujah. Uh, you can be seated if you'd like. Now, don't answer this, Sister Buford. This isn't for you. This is for everybody else. Have you ever been talking to somebody that's not really listening? That's like I said, can't ask Sister Buford about that. But any, anybody brave enough to say, I've been talking to people and they're not ever listening to me? I, I've heard this story. I, I assume it's true, but you know how you find things on the Internet. You may, may not be, but let's just assume it is. They say of President Roosevelt that he grew tired of smiling and just kind of doing the typical presidential things and the expected words at all of the myriad of events that the White House required him to be at. And so as the story goes, one day he decided to find out if anybody really was listening. To each person that came through that put out a hand to shake it, he simply flashed a big old smile and he would say kind of quietly, I murdered my grandmother this morning. It was interesting because people would automatically comment, how lovely. It's so nice to meet you, Mr. President. And on and on and on, just to prove the point that nobody really was listening. It became formal and just formality, if you will, until it was said that there was one foreign diplomat that when the, the, the president said, I murdered this grandmother this morning, that diplomat, his eyes kind of blinked, and then very quietly he said, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> Sometimes we get to the place where... We're talking, but it seems that no one is listening. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn, and we're going to continue this train of thought. I want to invite you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 10. And as I begin, maybe you don't know exactly what's in chapter 10, but as soon as we would start it, you would instantly be able to say, oh, I've, I've heard this before. And uh, I want you to see what is going on. As I've told you, the book of John is powerful. It's a little bit differently written than the other synoptic gospels. And there, John is proving a point. Again, just because I have a hard time jumping into the middle of the Bible and just starting from there, I've been taught by some great Bible teachers that it, it's, it's dangerous just to pick one verse out of the Bible and try to hang your sermon on it. And so I have, I've lived by that, and sometimes it's a detriment because I should just keep going, but I'm, I'm just required to kind of give you the back story. There was a place in which Jesus had healed uh, the, the, the man and, and had, had, had healed the blind man. And, and, and it caused some great chaos. That blind man went into the tabernacle. Now he's healed and he began to testify into the temple and in the synagogue, testify what God had done. And they didn't like what was happening. It, it really, it causes a great problem in your theology if, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, but yet Jesus can do miracles. It just really kind of messes you up. And so they, they threw that blind man out of the church. I said, we don't want to have anything to do with you. They, they threw him out of the church. Don't ever come back because we don't want to hear what God is doing in your life. It's a, just a horrid problem. And because of that, Jesus starts here in John chapter 10. Verily, verily, that means listen very closely. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, 
but climbeth up some other way is the same, a thief and a robber. But he that entereth by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. This fold that they're talking about is not heaven. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. But what it is, is in those Bible times, uh, there were multiple shepherds that would be out there, and they would each have a flock of sheep, but at night, they would bring all of their flocks into one common sheepfold. It was probably a, a type of pen that had they had taken the rocks from the fields and made a, a wall around it. And there the shepherds would sleep at the entrance of that sheepfold. And they, there really wasn't a gate per se, but those shepherds would sleep. That way they knew that if anything was going to try to get through the door, it would have to get through them at first. Bob Crabtree was one of the Assembly of God's superintendents there in the state of Ohio. And he tells a story while he was in the USSR that he saw uh, on his travels two shepherds. They came together in the middle of the road and all through it they had about 300 sheep but it was two completely separate flocks. And as shepherds were doing, they're just sitting there in the road and they're talking and Bob Crabtree was in his car, he couldn't get through because all of the animals are around him and, and he watched very carefully because all of those sheep from those two flocks made one big flock. He was staring there kind of wondering what's going to happen. How do you separate a herd of sheep? And he watched as one shepherd began to leave. In a very low voice, he simply began to call his sheep. And without any driving, without any commands, those sheep that belonged to that shepherd followed him. Now we don't get that very often. My dog won't even listen to me. So, I mean, I've had her for like 14 years and she doesn't give a hoot what I say. And some of you own some of those dogs. I've, I've not had, but I've been around some donkeys. You can't tell donkeys what to say. Those pictures, those comics of the donkeys sitting down and just putting their feet out, I, it, it happens exactly like that. And, and so, but sheep are different. There is something in that sheep that longs to follow the one that it's most familiar with. And the Bible says that Jesus said that to him the porter openeth. This is chapter, verse 3. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth out his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth out before him. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. There is a picture that begins to be painted. That God had a, a, a flock of sheep. At first, it was to the house of Israel. There is an analogy here that God would call through the prophets. God would call through the, the preachers. And he would call his word to the sheep of the house of Israel. Some of them would follow. Some of them did not. Later on in this chapter of 10, you'll find that, that Jesus said, this is not the only flock of sheep I have. I'm going to one day bring those two flocks together. What he was talking about was there was the flock of Israel and then there was a Gentile flock and one day he was going to combine those flocks. But the point is simply this. It's the voice of God you need to follow. Israel found it very hard to follow God's voice. Because of that, God left many of them behind and he began to focus on the, the Gentile relationship. 
But I want to turn your attention, I want to show you a little bit about why the relationship with Jesus matters when it comes to hearing his voice. And in doing so, I want you to turn to the book of Acts. It's a very familiar portion of scripture. In the book of Acts, there's two players. There is Saul and there is a man by the name of Ananias. How many of you have ever done a study on Ananias? Anybody here? I didn't think so. Because when we study the story of Saul, we're so fixated on the fact that God took a murderer and changed him into a great apostle that we overlook a key point in that story. And so instead of me just reading that story, I want to kind of tell you about it. In, in, in Acts chapter 8, you have the place where Stephen is stoned and, and, and all of this begins to happen. And because of that, great persecution comes on the church. And the Bible says that Paul was consenting or Paul was glad that the church was being persecuted. Paul went to the leaders of the synagogue and he said, I've got an idea. Why don't you give me letters of authority to go to the city of Damascus and on my journey to Damascus, anybody I find that follows this man named Jesus, I will bring back in chains and we will put him in prison and we'll do whatever we need to do. Some of them most likely would have been executed, but give me that authority. And so because of that, the Bible tells us that they gave uh, 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 Paul or Saul at that point, they gave Saul that authority and he began to walk to Damascus. But there you find on the road to Damascus, and this is where the story begins to get, uh, uh, you, you know, it, it begins to, where we recognize it. While Paul is on the road to Damascus, a great light shone around him. And he fell to the ground, and this is what I want you to pay close attention. If you own a Bible, if you have it with you, this is one of those places you ought to underline. There in the book of, 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 of Acts chapter 9, Paul falls to the ground and God speaks to him. And what does Paul say? Who are you? I want you to think about that for a moment. This, uh, if you go back and look at Paul's biography, it tells you that Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul followed the law religiously. Paul was, Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was a lawyer. If anybody should have known about God, Paul should have known. But here was the thing. That little verse in the Bible that says they have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, that fits Paul perfectly. Here is a man that should have known everything about the Word of God and he probably could have memorized. In fact, he probably had much of the Scriptures memorized. But when God spoke, he did not recognize the voice. And he said, who are you? The Bible says my sheep know my voice. It lends credence to this that Paul was not of the, the flock that Jesus called. Jesus goes on to say, well, I, I'm the Lord. I am Jesus, I'm whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and be, you'll be told what you're to do. Those that traveled with him, they heard a voice, but they didn't see anybody. They didn't understand it. They're just staring. Meanwhile, Paul now is blind. He can't see a thing, and they lead him into the city. For three days, he didn't see one single solitary thing. For three days, he didn't eat or drink. But then the story flips in verse 10. Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. The story flips. 
And it says, but Ananias, a disciple in Damascus, the Lord said unto him in a vision, Ananias. Those of you that have your Bible, what did Ananias say? Here am I am. Does that remind you of anything else? Remember in the Old Testament, a little boy by the name of Samuel, God appears to Samuel in a dream, and he says, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel wakes up. What does he do? He runs back to Eli's room. Hey, Eli, did you call me? Eli says, bro, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel goes back to bed. A little bit later, a voice, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up, runs to Eli's room. Eli, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. Go to bed. Third time it happens. Finally, Eli goes, you know, that's probably the voice of God. Next time you ought to say, here I am. It's about the relationship you have with him that determines whether or not you recognize when he's speaking. Saul would have very well missed an opportunity. But there was something in Saul that was willing to follow. And, but watch what Ananias is told of the Lord. Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to a street called Straight, to the house of Judas, and look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he's praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now Ananias says, oh, oh, oh wait a second. Talking about Saul of Tarsus? The one in whom took my neighbor in chains and, and I haven't seen my neighbor yet? You mean the one that's taken this church and this congregation? You're talking about him? Are you really sure that this is the man? Are you talking about, I know the evil that he's done to the church in, in Jerusalem and I know he has authority to bind those who call on your name? Are you really sure, God? Just, I mean, I know it's you. I'm just making sure you're thinking this through. God says, I have called him for a purpose. And so Ananias departed. He finds that house, and as he enters in that house, I love how the Bible says he laid his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. There is a difference that begins to happen when you have a relationship with God, and God begins to speak to you. Paul didn't have a relationship. And so his reply was, who are you? I don't know you. I don't know the voice. I've never really heard this voice. I've never pursued this voice. It's much like the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had sinned and they, they're, they're, they're ashamed. And the Bible says he hid himself from the voice of God and God is calling out to him. And Adam doesn't want to be with it. It's because Adam had broken that relationship. There was a story of a, of a man, and, and I apologize that I'm kind of picking on the, on the families, and so if this causes great marital consternation, my dad will be available after church to give marital counseling. If, if any of this touches a great nerve for you, you can go to him. But there, there was a, a man, he, he suspected that his wife was becoming hard of hearing, and so he decided he was going to conduct a test but not tell her what he was doing. So one evening when her back was to him, he stood on the, on the far side of the room and he said, and, and I'll just use my wife, he said, Brianne, not a chance. Didn't even respond. So he got a little closer. Brianne, can you hear me? Nothing. His suspicions were beginning to get right. He gets a little closer. He says, Brianne, can you hear me? Finally, he gets all the way up to her and he says, Brianne, can you hear me? And she said, I heard you the last three times you called. 
Sometimes the hard hearing is not the one you think it is. I'm so glad y'all worship hard at the beginning of the service because if this is all I got, we're going to have all. He was deaf, Sister Buford. Y'all are laughing at her, but I just made it a whole lot easier for a whole bunch of y'all too. See, sometimes the breakdown of communication in a hearing problem is not with God. There's a lot of times that we use terminology like this. We get on our knees and we, 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 we say, God, hear my cry. Hear my cry. I need this from you. And you don't ever hear the voice of God back. And so you assume that God can't hear you. But my Bible tells me this, the Lord's arm is not slack that he cannot help you. His ear is not deaf that he cannot hear you. I'm telling you today that it is a matter of relationship when God begins to speak. The relationship matters. The problem was not with God. Let me give it to you one more way. I'm, I'm trying. I know I don't, lately I've not used a ton of little stories and anecdotes, but today I found a bunch of them that worked, and maybe this will help you understand it. There were two men that were walking down a crowded city sidewalk. The cars were bustling, the, 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 the subway or, or, or the, the trolley car was going, and, and you know, it, it's a marketplace. It's the typical city cacophony of noise. All of a sudden, that man, he said, Hey, listen to that lovely sound of a cricket. Can you hear it? The other guy that was with him said, How in the world, in the midst of the roar of all of this traffic, can you hear a cricket? And the man replied, he said, Well, I'm a zoologist, and I've trained myself to hear the sounds of nature. He was trying to explain exactly how he could but it didn't make any sense and so finally that zoologist reached in his pocket and he pulled out a coin and he flicked it on the ground and in the midst of that city four or five people began to look for the coin that dropped because that's what they had attuned their ear to you hear what you want to hear if you've attuned your ear to the spiritual things, then it is not very hard for you to hear the spiritual things. But if you tune your ear to the things of this world, they begin to speak very loudly and they will overpower the word of God. Could I bring you to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Wherefore I would not that you be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, and though you know them, that you are established in the present truth. Yea, I think it's important, or I think it's meet, that as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus has showed me. Peter was talking about his death. I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to lay this flesh down. He said, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father glory and honor when there came such a voice from him, from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
And this voice that we heard uh, that came down from heaven when we were on that holy mount, talking about the mount of transfiguration. We have also a more sure word of prophecy wherein that you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day that dawns and the day star ariseth in your heart knowing first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but by holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost now that's, that's kind of a long uh, uh, diatribe but here's what it means Peter says I walked with Jesus. I am telling you what I saw. I was there on the Mount of Transfiguration when when Moses and Elijah came down and and I, I said we ought to build three tabernacles right now. I saw it. But he says you don't need to just take my word for it. You have a sure word of prophecy. There is a voice that speaks much louder than the eyewitness of Peter. There is a voice that speaks much louder than the voice of, 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 of Moses or even the voice of of Paul, but it is the sure word of God. But if your heart is not in tune, you won't hear it. You can read it, but not understand it. You can open it and let your eyes peruse the pages, but it not make a lick of sense. There's three voices that you hear through your life. The first one is God's voice. The second is Satan's And third is our own. As I said earlier, when Samuel heard God's voice, he didn't recognize it. And so he asked God, but but Eli recognized it. When Gideon heard God's voice, he he was unsure about it. And so he asked three times for God to give him a sign. Those voices, how do you how do you figure out which one works? First off. You have his word. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God will add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of this book and this prophecy, God will take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things that are written in this book. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine and profitable for reproof and correction and instruction and righteousness that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You better learn to listen to what the pages between those leather bound books says if you want to hear the word of God. That's why God has given us preachers and teachers in our life. It's because they are here to help us hear the word of God. So what is it in your life that causes you not to hear his word? Are you walking down like a Saul where you think everything is right and your own righteousness has puffed you up and you think everything's going good and when God finally talks to you, you have to look at him and say, who are you? I've never heard this voice before. Are you an Ananias that has been in tuned with what God says that even when God gives you a hard commandment like go be a brother to the one that has been persecuting the church, that even the hard questions become easy 
because you have a relationship with God. There's a book by the name A Turtle on a Fence Post written by Alan Emery. And he tells there in the story that he, he spent the night one night in the Texas on the plains there with a shepherd who had about 2,000 sheep. It was a different time than today and they were out there camping. The shepherd had fixed a bonfire and was cooking supper. The sheep dogs were laying down by the fire. The stars were filling the sky and it was just one of those peaceful Louis Lamora type moments. But all of a sudden out in the distance that wail of a coyote began to howl and split the air and it was joined on the other side of, uh, of the, the, the flock with more calls from coyotes and they were going, the dogs weren't patrolling, the shepherd wasn't out. And, and uh, Alan Emery made this statement. He says very quickly the shepherd tossed some, some logs on the fire and as he tossed the logs on the fire it looked like a thousand stars were sparkling out there on the plains. He didn't realize what was happening and then finally it dawned on him. He said, I realized that it was the reflection of the fire in the eyes of the sheep. And he makes this statement and the statement speaks so strongly to what I'm trying to say. At the moment of danger and crises in those sheep's lives, when the coyote wailed, they weren't looking to find the coyote. They were looking at the shepherd. They were looking at the one who they knew could protect them. In the midst of that danger, they weren't looking out into the darkness but they were keeping their eyes set toward the shepherd. Maybe it's cliche, but I think it matters to you today that if you will look towards Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, that even if the wolves howl, even if the hounds even if the bulls of Bashan we preached this morning, even if the lion comes, if you're looking toward him, everything will be okay. Again, Sister Buford, don't answer this question because I have problems with this. I asked you earlier, have you ever talked to someone and they weren't listening? Have you ever talked to someone and they don't look at you and it makes you frustrated? I have this problem. See, there's something about it. If, if you will look at the one who's talking, you will hear and comprehend more than if you weren't. It's a proven fact. If you will fixate on the speaker, you'll retain more of what that speaker says. And that old song begins to play in the back of my mind, turn your eyes on Jesus. It's more than just looking at Him. It's because when you look at Him, you understand what He's trying to say. He's trying to lead you lead you in the paths of righteousness as Psalms 23 says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want it matters your relation to the speaker let's just stand today I see in this building I see the Saul's that God is trying to get your attention 
you've been so disconnected from him you're, you're, you're missing the moments you're missing the voice you're missing the direction but on the other hand I see the Ananiases who are simply saying I hear you what do you want me to do it matters your relationship with the speaker and tonight I think it would do us good we've done it in worship we've done it in praise but before you walk and leave this building I want you to make sure that you're in tuned with what the word is saying I've made this comment many times in my ministry that, that right now there's countless signals that are going through this building there's, there's radio stations and TV stations and cell phone conversations and, and, and all sorts of, of electronic communications are flowing through this building and through our world but you don't hear them because you're not tuned into it. But if I put a radio right here and I tuned it to 102.5, you'd instantly get transported into Christmas because that's what they're playing right now. It matters where you're tuned in. The reason, I'm going to tell you right now, God is here. In fact, He never left this building. We did. He didn't. He's everywhere. He, he, he's always here. But the reason sometimes you come to church and, and he, it's just, it's like he's there. It's because you were tuned in at that place more than you were perhaps the Sunday before. If you're driving in your car and God begins to speak to you, it's not because he just decided to take a ride with you. It's because you were tuned into him. There was a relationship you had with the speaker. And I will tell you today, your best thing is for you to spend a few moments before you leave saying, Lord, I want to be tuned into what you're saying because I want to hear your voice because Lord there's some things I've been talking to you there's been some things I've been asking you about but I don't think I was tuned in to what you were saying to me other things had had, had blocked me brother Jonathan Harry you kind of hit on it as you opened the service those cares of life those those things that that just kind of block it and, and we can't get through that that's why a, a lot of times we'll go through a service and, and it takes almost the whole service before you move it's because it took you that long to get through all of the junk until finally you could push it aside and let God speak to you I'd like to tell you that you don't have to do that you don't have to get ready every service you can walk into this service and lift up your hands and instantly hear what God is saying to you it matters the relationship and I'm going to open these altars for you to come and get tuned into his word so that you can hear what he's been trying to tell you so that you can leave saying I heard his voice as they begin to sing I'm inviting you to come in the name of Jesus would you come <laughs>